good to be back among you and in the cleaner air of Cleveland. I spent this entire past week since last Sunday afternoon in Detroit, Michigan. And no, I was not there for the Taylor Swift concert, which I've heard a lot about um, and took over the whole town as I was there. I was there for an intensive learning experience, taking part in something called the College for Congregational Development, known in short as CCD. And you'll start to hear those words more often around here and around the diocese as it's a very important piece of our new Bishop Anne's philosophy about how to build community. So for the entire week, about 40 of us, clergy and lay alike, came and gathered near downtown Detroit, and we spent 12 to 14 hour days together in small groups working with models, learning how to build healthy, effective, and faithful congregations. And I spent nearly every waking moment of the past week then thinking about you all and us literally sitting down with a piece of newsprint and drawing a map of our neighborhood by hand, which by the way is not pretty at all what I created, but it helped set the context of what we do here at this corner of Fairmount and Coventry. We did exercises of story sharing, picking out different stories from the history of this parish and of the people in our ministries one exercise, I had a list of 200 words and I had to pick five that described us. We can talk later what those five were. <laughs> All throughout the week, I had a question which wasn't necessarily given to me by the leaders, but the question was, what's the purpose of the church? Why did all of us give up this week? Some of us gave it up who work in the church, but many of the people gave it up from the other parts of their lives, taking off a week of work to come to this. Why do we gather? And I thought of an adage that I've once heard to describe the purpose of the church, which I've later learned actually originated with the newspaper industry. But here it is, the purpose of the church, to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. As I began to hold that frame, I started to map out the ministries of our place onto that. And those of you who have been around a while, maybe this will sound familiar, and those of you who are newer, you can begin to see yourself. The ways that we comfort the afflicted by giving meals to those who don't have any, through loaves and fishes, or the literal comfort of a handmade prayer shawl placed on the shoulders of someone who is sick, or the ways many of us receive comfort from beautiful worship, music, and prayers as we come sin sick in heart, body, mind. And then there is the affliction of comfort the other piece of our task, when we engage in anti-racism formation and practice, 
When we ask each other to give financially through stewardship, not just giving what was left over after we had everything we needed, but giving our first fruits to the mission of the church. Or more broadly, the affliction that we have felt as a community over the past three years as we adapted, often uncomfortably, to the technology that was demanded of us through the pandemic. Comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable. As we hold that purpose of the church, we turn now to our gospel from Matthew today, which is action-packed. A story of controversy and healing and conflict. A passage that, in fact, is four stories happening somewhat simultaneously in one day of Jesus's life and ministry. We begin with the story of Matthew, a disciple who is a tax collector, we hear, and was called, much like the disciples at the sea in Galilee, Jesus saying, follow me, which guides us into the second story. That same night that Matthew gathered, presumably Matthew gathered with other tax collectors and the scripture says sinners, and they had dinner together, which is the site of a conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees. When the Pharisees say to one another and to the disciples, why is Jesus eating with them? This scene interrupted by the third story where a leader of a synagogue enters into that conflict, kneels at the feet of Jesus and says, I need your help right now. My daughter has died. And now it is Jesus's turn to get up and follow. And he takes his disciples with him. And as we're on the way to the fourth, to the third story, we meet the fourth story, which is a hemorrhaging woman who has been losing blood for 12 years. And she grasps for the fringe of Jesus's cloak, asking for healing. And our story ends with the professional mourners being told to go away as Jesus tells that little girl to get up. And she does. All those four stories packed with life-changing nuance, spare in details, but full of import, we can begin to layer on that understanding of what Jesus's ministry was as we saw in this day of his life, which was to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. We think of Matthew, who we don't know much about at all, but what we see is he was sitting, a position of relative comfort, sitting in a job that probably he'd had for a long time. Maybe even his father had done the job before him. He was sure of what he was doing, and it was relatively easy. He took the same path every day, and into that comfort, Jesus enters and says, it's time to go. Follow me. Jesus continues the affliction of comfort and confidence in the Pharisees when he challenges their idea of what a proper Messiah would do, who a proper good Messiah would eat with. And then we move to the emotional core of the story, the comforting of a desperate father. 
Jesus asks no qualifying questions. He gets up and he goes to the need. And yet he is able to be interrupted by this woman who, because she had been bleeding for 12 years, was likely considered unclean by her community. So not only was she hurting in body, but she had probably been excommunicated as well. And Jesus instantly offers her physical wellness, but offers her another layer in the way that he addresses her when he says, take heart, daughter, comforting her and bringing her back into the fold. So in this snapshot of a day in the life of Jesus, we see how he was full of this purpose to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. And so his work becomes ours. But of course, this isn't just the work of a collective. That kind of work is ours to do individually as well. And so I begin to wonder where I am in between or somewhere in those words and where you are. Are you comfortable? Are you afflicted? And realistically, that answer probably changes for you day to day, circumstance to circumstance. Are there places in your life where you are fulfilled? You know your purpose. You are surrounded by love and community. You are comfortable with who you are and what you get to do. Or are you afflicted, struggling through a divorce or separation, financially trying to make ends meet, struggling with a diagnosis, grieving? Where are you afflicted? And as we ask these questions of the heart, we have to remember our context in a society that has taught us to desperately prioritize our comfort. We have been taught that our comfort is a right that should be protected. And into that, Jesus enters and says, the place of our deepest learning and growth will come from a place of discomfort for those of us with privilege. The great hope and the great terror of this gospel story and Jesus in it is that Jesus finds us wherever we are on that spectrum of affliction to comfort. And Jesus offers us the invitation and maybe even more than that, the challenge to move to where we need to be. For those who are broken hearted, incomplete and unsafe, the chance to heal for those who are purposeful and comfortable, the chance to move into a place of discomfort. This is the great invitation and challenge of Jesus today, as it was then and as it is now. And so may we follow him, seeing him beside us, even if it scares us, following him into our personal and our collective work, afflicting the comfortable and comforting the afflicted.
Amen.